report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. We are back after a short break after we finished up uh, the first season of Bad Batch, and now we're here to kind of put the nail in the coffin. But the, I mean, the, it's a coffin that's going to, the Bad Batch will rise again like a zombie movie, you know, a- after for the second season. Sort of speak. Yeah, maybe maybe it's actually speak. a cloning chamber, right? The, the <laughs> You're the nail right. okay, in the cloning so the, chamber. We're putting the nail in the cloning chamber because we we've killed the bad batch, and then there's gonna be a second bad batch that comes out next. Nail. No, yes, and, perfect. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, just remember we're know. joking about this all people because basically we're gonna get into this when we get into the show. So anyway. Yeah. Um but you know, it's it's nice to be back with talking with you guys again. Again, you know, because it's been the summer and we had a whole bunch of episodes of Bad Batch in the middle. Uh we took a little bit of a break and and now we're back to kind of take a look back at season one, talk about our favorite moments, our um, uh, our, our not so favorite moments, right? To kind of just dive deep into the into the into the episode and into the into the season, and and talk about it a little more and kind of reflect back on it. I'm I'm excited. I hope you guys are too. Totally. Just so looking forward to getting into all this, but. Naturally, before we get into this, don't we have some announcements to go through first? We do, yeah. So there's a lot, lots happened. So, of course, since we last recorded uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, the making of season of the season two finale dropped. And my goodness, I hope you guys both, we haven't actually had a chance to talk about this. I hope you guys watched it. Um, did you guys get a chance? Oh, I did. Oh, I we we could we should actually think about doing a show on that one because when they get into the whole deep fake stuff, fascinating to talk about. Stephen, I was gonna say we should definitely do a show that is not today. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's I, I totally agree with Stephen. It it is it is it is highly uh, highly worth watching though. I think it's actually one of my favorite Disney Gallery episodes mm-hmm. to date because they just they were able to spend an entire hour on the season finale and specifically the return of Luke Skywalker and how they brought Luke back. And it was fascinating from, you know, the different methods they explored. I feel like not often in star Wars, do they tell you about the techniques they explored that failed or didn't work quite as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually hear about the, you know, amazing success stories of things that they had tried that no one else had done before. And it worked right. But you don't often hear about the failures. And in this case, they actually talk through, I think it was three different um, technologies they explored to bring Luke back, right? Uh, what was it digital de aging versus deep fakes versus um, uh, co- completely digital, like Tarkin and Rogue One and, mm-hmm. and, and Leia? And they kind of went through each of them and, and actually showed the different like tests they ran and how they how those tests turned out and what they ended up doing. It's absolutely fascinating, and even like how they. Um, how they brought you know the how they how they brought you know made Luke sound like Luke again by piecing mm-hmm. together audio of other um previous recordings of Luke, so it's not actually Mark Hamill talking. So I think we wondered how did Mark Hamill sound so young? They pieced it all together. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. 
it, it, it's amazing, and I, I just I think we definitely I agree with Stephen. We, we will can do we will have to do a whole episode on, on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're, I we're, highly we're recommend it. Also, Plo Koon. That's all I'll say. Plo Koon. Yeah. Um, so love it. I love it. So that's Disney Gallery the Mandalorian. If you, can, if you haven't watched it, I highly highly recommend it. Uh, in other news, uh, Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga is now. Uh, officially has a release date of spring 2022. This was previously Ooh. supposed to come out almost a year ago, I think, or, or yeah. it was delayed a few a times. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's coming uh, next spring. Um, keeping in the Lego news, there's going to be a Lego special for Halloween called Lego Star Wars Terrifying Tales that drops October 1st. Uh, and actually in the Star Wars uh, you know, TV department, we're just, as we're recording this, like... I don't know, 10 days or so away from Star Wars Visions, the next Star Wars TV series. So that'll be cool. Uh, and of course, it will be, we'll be coming to you with our review of that. Yeah, exactly 10 days from now. So we'll be coming to you with our review of Star Wars Visions uh, in just a week and a half. Um, the biggest shocker, I think, um, I, I, I there have been rumors about this for many, many years, but I, I, I it was almost too much to hope and they might be true. Star Wars Knights of the Republic is being remade yes. uh, by Aspire Digital. Uh, not Bioware, but the original developers, but Aspire Digital. They, they've done a bunch of the other re-releases of the old LucasArts classics. And uh, oh, I cannot wait. That teaser trailer I'm so looks... so excited. Oh, yeah. Even, even, though, even oh. though they did state that was not real gameplay, right. it did not matter. No, exactly. It's I mean that's a pre-rendered just version of Malik. You didn't, you couldn't really see that much at all. All you saw was Revan, right. and that's you know, it. Revan? Wow, William, yeah, it's, you yeah. I was like, the overpop. <laughs> I don't notice that was disappointing. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, but no. Um, you, you see Revan briefly, and, and and you hear Bastila Shan and Jennifer Hill's back as Bastila, so that's great. They're bringing a lot of the other voice cast back too to re-record their their lines. Um. And it sounds like a lot of them, they haven't, they haven't announced who's coming back, but it sounds like most of them, are, or many of them are coming back. So I cannot wait. And this will be a full remake. Uh, so I've seen some rumors about maybe making it a little more action-oriented to modernize it a little bit instead of being completely turn-based, but keeping the same great story, mm-hmm. the spirit of the game. So I, I'm so excited. Uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to is not being turn-based. Yeah, that, That's, that's kind of like, I want to really get into this, but it's the turn-based thing that I'm like, Move it along a little, See, little further. It's fascinating. I I love the original gameplay, and I mm-hmm. I get that maybe that's controversial to some degree, but it I I don't know. It's and and I, I would I wouldn't call it controversial. It's just I wanted to I wanted it to move on a little bit further to where it's like I guess the way that it paused too much for me is like I just I just pause just that brief second, make the choice, and then go instead of again. I'm looking forward to this really really looking forward to this so yeah it's well it, it's gonna yeah. be a little bit of wait because it's in still in early development so there's no release date but it is happening and that's all we can hope for uh it, it's been yeah. confirmed for uh ps5 and, and pc at launch the so sony was able to secure a playstation console exclusive deal uh, and will be coming to other platforms uh later on so uh i you know we we have no idea uh, here on the podcast, I think looking at previous releases, my guess would be six to twelve months after launch is pretty standard for exclusives um, of this sort. So, and I think the other Aspire Digital games launched about on other platforms where they when they were exclusive six to twelve months later as well. So, 
That's mm. probably my guess. But we don't even know when the game's coming out to begin with. So that's KOTOR, and I cannot wait. Uh, and then lastly, congratulations are in order to the Mandalorian. They got three Emmy wins uh, this week um, for Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup, uh, Outstanding Cinematography for a Single Camera Series, and Outstanding Sound Mixing for a Comedy or Drama Series. So all well-deserved as well. With that... Yeah, I think we're getting into the episode rundown of what we're going to be talking about, right? Yeah, Tom. I mean, I think everyone knows, but what are we what are we discussing today? Well, it's kind of easy that we're going to be discussing the Bad Batch Season 1 recap. So we're going to basically kind of go through each of the episodes, kind of do the highs and the lows, what we liked, what worked, what didn't work. Um, and I guess we're going to start off with the first episode, Aftermath, which... Honestly, you imagine with a show like this, you would have to start out with their reaction, the Bad Bats reaction to Order 66. And a very surprised guest before all that happened. Yeah, it really kicks off with just like we the Clone Wars closes out with like those shots of Ahsoka and, you know, Rex dealing with Order 66 and Bad Batch opens with no, we are what happened after this, you know, after this momentous event. And I think it's the thing I love most about this first season is how well it shows that transition from Republic to Empire. Yeah. Um, just very, very well done. And I think for me, the best thing about this whole season was how clones were dealing with the war. Because we even see it later in um, uh, another episode in which you've had some clones that that kind of, you can say, rebel against their orders. But in this one, we actually get to see Order 66 happen, and the Bad Batch basically confused about what's going on. Yeah, it is It is such a great way to open the season. And I think still it's, it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire uh, season so far. I, you know, I think I just, I loved the way they, they kicked this off. Um, and... You know, seeing how they deal with Order 66 is just, it's heartbreaking. And it's, mm-hmm. it was so good. And it's kicking off the series on, 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 you know, uh, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, uh, with an extra long episode, just, ah, it was perfect. It was very yeah. well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then we moved into Cut and Run with the return of Cut Laquane. Uh, the clone trooper we we all know and love, um, and got a little bit more of the origin of chain codes and and more ties to other parts of the galaxies. We start to see how the um, uh, the the empire you know immediately starts taking over uh, as, right after the uh, the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah, you know I I'll have to say I'm. We'll get into kind of like favorite and least favorite episodes later, but this, I was not like looking back, especially I'm not super wild about either of the episodes that really follow mm-hmm. the kind of introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I seem to recall this saying this in the review at the beginning, but like it felt at this point, they were staying a little too close to the Mandalorian formula. There's a lot of focus on Hunter and Omega's relationship um, and kind of the shaking out of that dynamic. And I, it was obviously something that was necessary to do to kind of, get the squad in a place where we can start to see some more interesting stories. But I, 
I wasn't a huge fan of this episode or the one that followed. They just they kind of felt like filler episodes, which mm-hmm. especially after that huge opening where we get the squad split with you know um, I want to say Cutter and that's not right. Um, uh, why am crosshair. I like, Crosshair. Thank you. Yeah, it's a C name. That's okay. Um, that's what happens when we don't record for a bit. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and this was, and I think especially like we were. We were so excited to see, like, oh, Crosshair versus the Bad Batch. How is that going to shake out? And I think at this point, especially in the season, I was still hoping that was going to be one of the main driving forces of it, mm-hmm. um, especially as Crosshair does show up in a couple of these episodes, kind of with Elite Squad and kind of working through those pieces. Mm-hmm. And then, he, you know, as we know, just that that ended up not being a thing until really the middle of the season and then the end of the season even. Yeah. But we, we know that when it comes to Filoni, he's got like this – He's got a formula to where he's got a couple episodes that are your breather episodes. And after coming off of, uh, you know, Aftermath and watching that happen and seeing these clones now in a universe that basically they need to figure out how to work within, you kind of you kind of give them this episode to find somebody who basically already walked away from the war. And in a way, you got cut Laquane's version of why and how he was able to deal with it. So now the batch has kind of like an idea of it is possible for them to survive in the new universe that's happening, even though there's massive change. And that's one of the things when it came to this episode, they had to figure out how to get Laquane and his family off that planet because of the chain code thing. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want Laquane to be found out as being a traitor. Yeah. You know, I think the, I'm I'm very Stephen. My 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 feelings echo yours. You know a, a lot in that I think as when I look back on this season, as far as like what gets me the most excited, uh, you know certainly the second half of the season was a lot stronger in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know to your point, Tom, it does kind of follow that standard Filoni show arc that we've come to to know, where like the the beginning of the season just kind of kicks off with a bang. They start to go more into the character moments in the next few episodes, and I think the overall plot may be less exciting in some ways. But it's, you know, I, I really appreciate the 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 character development they do in the in the episodes and how, yeah, you know, like we get to, I would say, like the next uh, four, really four and a half episodes were, you know, not quite as strong as the premiere. But what I loved, we got to see more about, you know, how how the empire starts to take over and they implement chain codes and how, you know, uh, uh, like we get the introduction of Fennec Shand and, and the return to Ord Mantell and the introduction of Sid and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting to see like a separatist droid decommissioning facility. And, I, right. and so it's all really interesting stuff ultimately that builds upon the characters. But I think in hindsight, you know, they are, they're not the ones that maybe get fans as excited uh, even mm. though they're, I think, in many cases, very good uh, stories right. overall. Well, yeah, they're they're the necessary episodes that help establish the the baseline yeah. in a right. lot of ways. Exactly. Who are the characters? What are the main kind of overarching plot themes and character arcs? Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't begrudge the season for having those. Don't get me wrong. Um, no, but yeah, no, and and when it comes to seeing how everything moves forward, when you look at um, the third episode replacements you get to see the elite squad that is now working with crosshair. So now you start seeing that the step of why the clones are being replaced. You start seeing actual citizens of the universe. Well, 
humans of the universe becoming stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. And then you slowly start at this point, you start seeing the clones backing away or being taken out of their armor and basically, okay, you have a decommissioned episode six where you see the droids basically de- be decommissioned in a way. This is the decommissioning of the clone army starting with replacements. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually one thing I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of, you know, it was just more, more, even more time with crosshair. There was a couple episodes that really gave us a bunch of time with crosshair and I loved those so much. And I, uh, I appreciated how they gave us, um, you know, it's, they didn't just make Crosshair the bad guy, right? They they gave us, uh, you know, a few episodes to kind of see the struggles he's dealing with, how, he, you know, the, the clones are being replaced, and he's kind of being used to train the next generation before they cast him aside. Uh, I loved all of that, and I hope we get to see even more of that type of thing in season two, because as much as I love the Bad Batch, don't get me wrong, you know, I think uh, the, the core team, um, cross, some of Crosshair stories were actually the most intriguing because they gave us a look at the broader galaxy, which is one of the things that this show does so well. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, so I think even though, um, I, don't know, I guess there were some episodes, I think, you know, Replacements was probably one of my favorite of the early episodes for that reason, because we got to see a little bit more with um, uh, with Crosshair and kind of the the A plot with the Batch getting stuck on a moon is just kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day. I mean, when you put it that way, that, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Batch gets stuck on a moon. You I mean, that's literally the episode, the episode summary. description. No, yeah. it's, <laughs> exactly. I, I was like, could I come up with something better? No, not really. Like, that's... Yeah. That is accurate. It describes the what happened throughout the episode. Uh, yeah. Oh. Um. So then we go into uh, then we go into uh, cornered with the introduction of Fennec Shand and how she tries to take uh, Omega. And this is the beginning of the hints. I think you know of that like that Nala say wants Omega for some reason. It doesn't even care about the rest of the batch. We got hints early on, but, and actually, you know, I guess, sorry, now thinking about it, did we, we didn't really ever get an answer to what Omega's no. you know, ability That's, is necessarily. I'm glad you brought this up. Let's talk about this. <laughs> the beginning of the show goes a long way towards implying that Omega is special in some way. Um, and we disagreed on what it is, whether she's just kind of um, an eidetic learner, like she sees something and therefore she can do it, or whether she may be force sensitive. Um, but I, regardless of what the actual thing is, I thought it was pretty clear that the show was hinting that there is something special to her. And the closest the show gets to giving us an answer is, well, she is like Boba Fett and that she's an unaltered source of, you know, Django Fett DNA. And I find that really not satisfying. I think, I hope they introduce more with that, you know, in the future, right? Because we didn't really get an answer to, I guess we, I guess we get to get an answer. She doesn't, her, the answer is mm-hmm. she doesn't have a special ability, right? She, she well, maybe. Well, okay, I mean, she's, I would argue she's just a, she's an unaltered clone. And maybe that's why she doesn't have a special ability because she is exactly like Boba in that, she does. She's un, she's unaltered. 
Mm. Um, I'd still, I mean, maybe I need to go back and rewatch, but I would still argue that we do see the implication that she's got special abilities in the very beginning, where she picks up a blaster and is able to make that shot immediately, or... mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I agree. I agree with you that there has to be something there. I. Well, I don't know if I, I go that I, far. I don't think there has to be something there. I want there to be something there. Okay. I'll, I'll, I, I'll I, agree I, with that part. I can be disappointed. I, I, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. I, I guess, I guess going into second season, how she's going to play out is going to be interesting because I think we do get the idea that they need her because they need her unaltered DNA for something. That's about the right. only thing we have on that. I still think for her, I mean, Stephen, you're right about how she was able to pick up a blaster and make that shot. I still think for her, it might be that she's got like high intelligent tactician. But then again, if she had that when she ran into Hera in the in the episode where that happens, and if if um, Tech is telling her she can't fly the ship until she knows this, this, and that, if she was highly skilled tactician, she should have been able to learn that stuff. I would think by now. Yeah, I think I think the the answer is she just she's unaltered, right? She's um, just a kid. She's just a kid. Yeah. And sure she's 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 of Django's DNA and Django is pretty darn talented. And so, you know, he's not your average uh your average guy and that's that's why the Kaminoans used his DNA as a, as a basis for the the clones. Um but yeah, I, I think she is unaltered, and I think that'll play in in a much bigger way in season two. I was a little disappointed by how they handled it, just because, and we talked about this in our reviews of the episodes later on. It seemed like they were just answering this, you know, telling us the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again, as if it was like new and like we learned this last week. Why are you telling this again? Right. And you know, I guess it was new for Hunter, but. Uh, you know, it, it was played off like it was a big reveal. And it's like, is this just for the people who didn't watch watch last week or something? Um, so I was a little bit disappointed by how they handled that. But my hope is that they'll really dive into this more in season two, uh, especially when they inevitably introduce Boba Fett. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think season one ended up being much more of a state of the galaxy than it was uh, about the specific story here. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. how I about it It is meant to be a story about the bad batch how they get kind of get away from the empire in the first place and then what is going on in the galaxy at this time yeah and i next season will i hope and suspect we'll deal with more of the what is the empire up to what is the next step of their master plan yeah and and i'm okay with that right because yeah getting we didn't we've never really seen what the state of the galaxy is post Order 66, not quite right. like this, especially not on the screen. And so that's really cool. I love that they did that. I loved how they started introducing all these different aspects from chain codes to the TK troopers to, you know, just you know, impounding all the ships, right? That's one of the, my favorite things about this season. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And right. so I'm, I'm actually really glad they did that. Um, and I, I suspect, yeah, typical Star Wars television fashion season two will open up the galaxy in a much bigger way. Yeah. And the other thing that I appreciate it. So it's opening it up to where it is filling the gaps that we want to know, but it's also kind of building a little bit going toward like the Mandalorian, because we did see, you know, the cloning scientists when, um, 
you know, uh, uh, Lama Su was taken to that cloning facility that that kind of tied into the Mandalorian. So I, I like how they're they're really building the universe out to where, it's, yes, we're giving you this time frame, but we're planting the seeds for what will sh- be showing up in the future. Yeah, I, and I suspect, yeah, Mount Tantus and and Wayland will play a much bigger role in oh, yeah. season two. Uh, actually, according to the episode guide, they confirm that the base that we see at the end is Mount Tantus on the that's planet so cool. Wayland, which I actually don't think that's we all, cool. we ever talked about in our review. No, we didn't. It wasn't. I was about yet. to say that's you're dropping a little bit of a knowledge bomb on me. Here, yeah. <laughs> so oh, wait a minute, no, that, was, that, that was William. That was William. So yeah, William that, that facility Mount is Mount Tantus, one hundred percent sold. so for those who do not remember who are having maybe haven't read the books steven please tell uh, our our wonderful listeners what mount tantus is and what it means so like like many parts of the legends universe it is given to us by the genius that is timothy zahn in the original thrawn trilogy and so when thrawn returns to kind of lead the empire through its resurgence he uses a base of mount tantus the emperor's hidden storehouse of artifacts and goodness and there happen to be Sparty cloning cylinders there, which is how he clones a number of the Empire's best in order to kind of build up the Empire's army and navy faster than anyone expected. Um, so it's a it's a pretty big deal. It features very heavily in the original Thrawn trilogy. And so having it be shown off here is, I don't know, huge. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. So And it gives so me high hopes for what happens here. Yes. And, and so well, I guess what we're kind of saying is that little bit of the original Thrawn trilogy is now canon, right? Well, Mount Tantus is at least. Do we have our eye on that canon, Tom? (laughs) I would think we may. I'd have to read the original Thrawn trilogy again because I I, I I love the new... I just did it. Sorry, unrelated. I just did that. Highly recommended. I have to. I have to dig them out of of my my storage area because I've got the other new... Thrawn trilogy, what Thrawn books, which we'll talk about those later, but we got to get back to this episode. Yeah. It, so it, yeah, I am very excited by the fact that this is Mount Tantus. Uh, I think that bodes very, very well for season two and what they might yeah. end up doing. And, you know, we, we, we know Nala says on Mount Tantus at the end of the, at the end of the first season, uh, Mount Tantus, and she's working with the the um, the scientists there. And the episode al- guide also confirmed that Doctor Pershing is part of the group on Mount Tantus. Um, and can we we talked about how he's wearing a very si- si- similar uniform yeah. style, but yeah, Doctor. If the fact that Doctor Pershing is part of the same group that's on Mount Tantus, I don't know if he's actually there, but he's at least part of that same organization. Don't know if he's there at that time. Um, they are definitely going to so- be getting into. Uh, you know, they're definitely going to be getting into tying into the Mandalorian. And I think getting into cloning in a big way and kind of what they were using Grogu for, mm-hmm. what they want a Grogu for uh, potentially connections to, you know, Palpatine uh, in the rise of Skywalker. I would not be surprised. So, I actually, I'll make a prediction. I think we're not going to see much more of uh, this thread in the Mandalorian. Hmm. I think the Mandalorian introduced it because at the time that was kind of all they had. Mm-hmm. But I, I would bet that we're actually going to see this show deal with that far more. I could see that. And I, I, I bet you the next season I, of Mandalorian will focus far more on Mandalore and almost drop this whole kind of 
plot thread from and that's, to begin and with. That, that's all I want to see. I want to see a re-seizure Mandalore is what I want to see. <laughs> In live action, no less. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> but, but, you know, you've got a Bad Batch right now that is just learning how to make their way through the galaxy. And, and we got great episodes we're talking about here. And it's fun to speculate about other episodes. But, you know, you've got decommissioned. They, they brought back two characters that mm. I thought we'd never see again. But were you guys surprised to see Trace and Rafa again? Very much so. Uh, yeah. And I think this kind of became a theme, I feel like, of the season where they, they almost had like the guest star of the week. Yeah, you know? I would agree yeah. with that. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the, a good the way The premiere was, you know, we got, you know, Caleb Doom and Saw Gerrera, And it was really two, three episodes stitched together, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was three. Uh, and then the next one we had Cut and Sula Quain and their family. In the next episode, we actually didn't really get that much of a um, of a uh, uh, of a cameo. I guess you could maybe argue Tarkin, right? Because uh, I think Tarkin uh, kind of makes his introduction in that one. Uh, in Cornered episode four, we have Fennec Shand. The next one we get the re- kind of the return of the Zygerian slavers. So they're not. Um, they're they're not necessarily a big cameo, but they were big characters we saw in Clone Wars at least, mm. and and in a group. But then we got Trace and Rafa, right? And then we got uh, really no guest star, but the, the 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 planet Braca they brought back for two episodes, and then it became like the Cad Bane episode, and Fennec Shand returns, and we had a, more of the Cad Bane episode. Then we had two Hera episodes, and then they took a break from the guest stars again, and then they brought back Gregor. And then they kind of wrapped everything up with the season, the two-part season finale. And so not every single episode had a guest star, but most of them had a big guest star. And for the book, and yeah. by and large, they only appeared very briefly, right? It was just one episode, really. I think yeah. Fennec Shan yeah. is in maybe two episodes, I think. Two, uh, Cad Bane's in two. Um, every, and Hera's in two. And everyone else is like in, it's like a one episode. Yeah, one episode and done. Mm-hmm. One and done. Yeah. Uh, oh, the other one you forgot. I know you have Hera, but you also had uh, her father. Yes. Cam Sandula. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, so exactly. Cam, yep. Cam Sandula as well. Plus, we got to see her mother. Yes, we did. We got we got to meet Hera's mother. So, I mean, it, this is just this is the Dave Filoni formula, right? Like you introduce your new characters, and then at the same time start bringing back the old and weaving the story together, and just making mm-hmm. the universe feel connected but right. also large it's you know just fantastic yeah and, and it seems like when he brings them in there is a purpose because actually i think in this one trace and rafa when we saw them originally they, they were you know with, with ahsoka they were okay but this one kind of worked because it was really quick and and i enjoyed them in this episode I did, probably a little bit too. better than than the previous episodes they were in yeah i really liked seeing him in this episode and i loved seeing also just the whole separatist decommissioning facility mm-hmm. and how they're, you know, we, we've seen the separatist droid factory and now we get to see right. how they tear the droids apart. Yeah. Um, and we got one of the best lines in, in the season, you know, is, is that an echo? <laughs> Jeez. No, it was, it yes. was a good one. It was a good one. Yes. Thank you for that horrible yeah, reminder. Uh, what, what else? Let's see. So then, uh, we go into battle scars uh, with on the pr- planet Braca, and this is the one where Wrecker finally 
snaps. The headaches have been happening for a few episodes. Mm. He snaps and they have to get that chip out. And this was one of my early favorite episodes just because yeah. of both seeing Braca and just how they dealt with Wrecker and seeing him go after the batch and specifically Omega was very um, emotional at that point. You know, it's like, it's hard to yeah. watch. Yeah. And I think what make, what made it work is how, Oh, you want to almost say animalistic. He was when he was trying to really, really get after uh, Omega and it was just nothing, nothing would stop him. He wasn't like, you know, always saying good soldiers follow orders, but it was just, how brutal it was and animalistic, just trying to just throw stuff around and just hunting her down made it just really, really scary. But we also got to see Rex again in this episode. Yes. Oh my gosh. I totally forgot to list Rex. Yeah. We completely right? forgot about Rex. <laughs> but Sorry, yeah. Who? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Just he, he, he comes and goes, but you know, Rex made a couple appearances in, in a couple previous episodes and boom, decommissioned. Here he is. I'm sorry. In battle scars. Here he is again. Yeah, that was awesome to see as well. I, I, yeah, I, I thought Battle Scars and Reunion were both very good. Reunion, of course, is mm-hmm. when Crosshair arrives on Bracca and they have the, well, it kind of ends up with uh, Crosshair getting charbroiled a little bit. But uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. These two episodes were the first time it felt like we were back on the main plot after a while. And so mm-hmm. it just, I mean, it. I mean, they they were the like the mid season finale type of thing where it's like you you can see how it would have like, oh man, now we have to wait six months for the show to come back. Right. Like we were in. Back the in the old days. days. So definitely a highlight. Yeah. Uh, and then we go into, actually, I mean, I feel like the last half of the season was very strong. Because then we go into um, Bounty Lost and uh, and Common Ground. And, of course, this is this introduces uh, Cad Bane uh, at the, uh, to the show. He technically is, appears at the end of Reunion. Um but my goodness, I love Cad Bane. He is such a great character, and it's it's awesome. Like seeing Cad Bane back in Toto three sixty, and, and how he he kind of fights and faces off against Fennec Shand. Oh, it's so good. That fight, the fight between the two of them, is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Just to see Cad Bane use all the tricks, and it's funny because I think he even calls her out as being a newbie or being like you know. Okay, newbie, use the the new term compared to what he used. But, you know, just all the tricks that were being used between both of them to try and get the get the bounty, which was Omega. Just amazing. And did you guys see it coming that Phoenix Shan um, murdered? I can't remember the. I think it was Lama Su, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I got oh, it. Oh, sorry. No, Tan Wee. No, Tan sorry. Was ta- Lama Su Tan dies Wee, later. Sorry. It was, I always get those yeah. mixed up. I'm sorry. But yeah, she she literally took out uh, Tonway. Poor Tonway. I always like that character. <laughs> but it's a great it's a great episode, and I'm really interested to see if we'll ever learn more about Boravio and like what was that planet all about? Why were why were there these decommissioned cloning facilities? What were they for? I hope we get more answers. I don't know if we will, but I would love and- to. And that was creepy to see all that stuff in there, that green stuff. Uh, it's like, yeah, what were they using that? Or I think at that time, was that their first step in the cloning process of the actual clones for the Republic? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the questions we need answers to. I know. I know. Hopefully we'll get something in second season or at least an answer for a couple things. Yeah. 
Then we go to Raxus with uh, Common Ground, um, and um, it was you know it was a fine episode, I guess. It was probably um, no, actually no, we, that was a sorry, I'm, I'm remembering now. That was a great episode. Uh, that's the one where they broke into the senator's compound, um, and we see the 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 big escape and the return of Mina Bonteri uh, from, or at least. Uh, the same planet, uh, Raxus, that Mina Bateri represented. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a great episode. It was a great episode, but I think that was the first time we actually got to see a slow-speed chase between Republic tanks. Oh, I, I was like, I was trying to place this episode. I'm like, oh, I do remember the slow-speed yeah. chase. Okay, I got yeah, it Yeah, it was the slow-speed chase between the Republic tanks, which, even though they were slow, it was kind of interesting. It, it wasn't. I got. I got to give him props for for pulling that off. It was not. I got to say, it wasn't boring. Definitely, yeah. Those Definitely a unique take on you know that type of trope. I was gonna say the high yeah. speed chase, but it wasn't a high speed chase. It was the opposite. But. Yeah. Of course. Next up, we had Devil's Deal. So this was this one was our our favorite episode as as you know looking at the average rating overall from the from mm-hmm. our from our show. This one was our favorite of the season. Uh, of course. Introducing, uh, reintroducing at least Hera, uh, introducing her to the show, and also giving us a brand well, new clone, Hauser. Would it be reintroducing or pre-introducing? That's I, true. I think pre-introducing. I think, I think we were pre-introduced to Hera. Yeah, right. A very, very and, young Hera, and kind of seeing how she, uh, you know, kind of gets her start in many ways. It was a phenomenal and, episode. And you're forgetting one other character that would be very cranky because he's not been mentioned, and that's Chopper. <laughs> How could you, William? I'm sorry, Chopper. I'm sorry. Yeah. This, I, and I mean, I have to mark down Devil's Deal. It was not the Chopper origin story that I think no. he deserved, but uh, <laughs> no. That like you still saw the act. I mean, you still saw the Y Wayne. I mean, you kind of you kind of know where he came from because oh, I, I, anyway, yeah. Easily the best episode, I think, of the season. And not just because we gave it the highest ratings, but just it just did such a great job of telling a contained story, showcasing, I think, what makes this time period special. The, like this time when the Empire is kind of starting to extend its reach and people aren't sure if that's good or bad yet. And it was right. just. Yeah, it was just it was handled so well, both with existing characters that we've seen before, like Chad Sindula, new characters um, or reintroductions of characters like Hera, like it just, it really did fire on all cylinders for me. And I think the best thing about it was you got to see why Chamsundula ended up being really against the Empire because mm-hmm. in this episode, he started out, look, I'm done. We're done with war. This was supposed to be a point to where we do need to lay down our arms. It is supposed to be the Republic that's supposed to be protecting us. This is what we kind of wanted. It seemed like at this point in these episodes, he didn't want war at this point. And now you get the feeling when you see him later in Rebels, he feels so burned and he is just so against the establishment. Yeah. Yeah, it was so well done. I, I, I did really love this pair of episodes. The only criticism I have of this this the, this duology is just that I, I, I didn't like how they, they faked um, Orn Frita's death and then you know, didn't show him alive in the show anymore, but but then we're like, oh yeah, he's actually still alive because you know he shows up in I think Lords of the Sith or whatever book is after. Um, and it just felt a little cheap trying to you know kill him off and then yeah. at at the kind of in 
stories afterwards saying, oh, actually, he, he survived, right? It's like, the book's already out. Like, if the book had come out later, I would get saying, okay, mm-hmm. well, let's like retcon it. But no, the book was already out. They, they knew full well that he was going to survive. They're not like, they're not changing canon in any way, but they, um, they just made it look like he died anyway, never showed him again. So I think it's minor in the scheme of things, but that's really my only complaint with these two phenomenal episodes. I have such a problem with that because that was such a headshot. That was. Tom, that everyone was... knows you just walk it off. I mean, it's fine. Oh my fine. god! You're Unless so, you're such a whiner, just <laughs> it's just a headshot. I don't understand. You get haircuts all the time. It's basically <laughs> the same thing. Uh... No, but you, both you... episodes were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Devil's Deal, Rescue, and Ryloth, just. A plus existing character, A plus right. use of existing characters, A plus introduction of new characters like Hauser, A plus like how they kind of brought the two stories together with the Bad Batch. Yeah. Please more of this. No notes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. one note. Sorry. William's note, I think, is is fair. But <laughs> and and you also you also again have to feel sorry for Hauser and the clones. Just like there is a point in which I think the clones do realize the ones that that get past it that. The war is over. We 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 did what we were supposed to do, and that was supposed to basically be, you know, free the republic, defend the republic, all this other stuff. Everything else that's happening is basically going above and beyond why we were fighting. And you kind of look at it from the point of view of you feel sorry for those because it was even brought with Cut Laquane, and I think Rex even brought it up further. It's like some of the clones were actually questioning the war, and you have these that do question it. They lay down their arms. And now they're pushed aside with the ones that are actually still following orders. So it's it's again it's a fascinating dynamic. I like I I find fascinating between the clones. Do you think we will see Hauser again? I hope so. I don't see how though, unless yeah. unless it's a jailbreak. And unless he ends up being, because he's going to end up being like the Bad Batch, he's going to end up being on the on the run, or he's going to be cut Laquane. Dre's going to go find a planet and hide. Yeah, I, I, I could see I him don't potentially, think so. potentially like running into the group in season two. But I, I don't. I would love to see it. I I'm a little skeptical that we will. I think. We're not going to see nearly as much of the like clones versus empire no. type story in season two. I think that's yeah. meant to be closed out with, you know, the destruction of Camino. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree. Well, you you you've also you feeling that was coming when it came to the episode War Mantle, because that's where we had Gregor come in and he's already telling them, look, they're introducing TK troopers, but they've left some of these clones that are still here training these new troopers and tk troopers are easy they're a dime a dozen because it's citizens of the galaxy yeah so they're always going to have themselves an army they don't need clones anymore they don't need us anymore yeah and i i love i really liked the episode war mantle that was such a good episode yeah um and seeing Gregor again was from you know from republic commando was just it was wonderful it really was Yep. No, they never. He, I, I loved how he was already blown up because he didn't mention that. But they never explained how he got back to where he was. I, I, I still love the character because now we get to see at least a story point of he ended up 
back within the Republic slash Empire to where now when we see him in Rebels, there's an understanding of, okay, there's a point of origin of where he was to right, end up right. in Rebels. I, I would not be surprised if season two introduces Wolf as well. I, the, I, I'm expecting it. Right, because they're the three yeah. we see in Rebels, right? Right. It's Rex, Gregor, and Wolf. Right. I would not be surprised if we get to see kind of how Wolf survives as well. Yeah. And I would also, if it ended up, let's say, that was Hauser in Rebels, then you could see, yeah, he's going to end up being a breakout. But no, that's Wolf. So I can see Wolf. If they bring out Hauser, then there has to be a jailbreak with Rex and the Bad Batch involved to get him out. That's the only way I could see it. Yeah. Uh, we also had the episode Infested, which we briefly skipped over. Overall, I think Infested was probably my least favorite episode of the season. Um, but I really liked how it dealt with uh, Sid a bit more and gave us more of a, instead of a mission that she gave the the batch, because uh, Sid was such a phenomenal character, right? It dealt a little more with Sid's backstory and not only my backstory, but I guess her, uh, what she's going on with, you know, dealing with at her parlor and some, maybe some bad deals and, and things. Uh, and so th- yeah, from that respect, it was, it was nice. I, I do think Sid was still one of the highlight characters in season one, highlight new characters. Oh, absolutely. I, to phenomenal. me, she was a breakout character. She was just yeah, outstanding. It, in retrospect, it definitely feels like Infested was meant to be like this Sid episode. Um, yeah. And I, I think I wish they'd picked something a little bit more serious for it. It ended up kind of playing as kind of comical almost, I would say. Like, that's kind of my recollection of the episode. And I just, mm-hmm. I feel like it would have been a lot better if we'd, I don't know, something more seedy, more underground, less, you know, stealing of spice and dropping it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, I, I'll just throw it out there. Maybe because if you take a look at the actress who voiced, you know, Rhea Perlman, she had that kind of background. Maybe that's kind of how they wrote it a bit but i agree i mean you know you, you drop the thing um yeah i i you know what steven i kind of agree with you well, like it was very clearly meant to be like the underground episode but i felt like because of this emphasis on like the the bugs and the the infestation mm-hmm. it ended up losing some of the the heavy hitting like gang war kind of feel especially uh, when you had the pikes in there i mean you would have liked to have seen more because hey you gotta love the design of the pikes and you gotta love their attitude when they're when you know i wouldn't want to mess with them yeah and maybe maybe we'll see some more of that type of feel actually i think i want to see an episode next season maybe i guess it's probably a little bit earlier to set up kind of book of boba fett but like that's the type of vibe i think i was looking for mm-hmm. like more of like boba fett sitting on jawa's throne gang war kind of thing um, that's just not quite what this one was which you know right. that's that's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Do, do, do you think the batch will go back to Sid? Cause like they, it's very unclear what their next steps are after the, the season finale. Are we going to see more of Sid and, and the mission of the week in season two? What, what do you guys think? I would think they could open season two with the batch basically back at Sid's bar. But at that point, that would be your jumping off point of whether where they're going to go next. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't see us spending a ton of time there. Yeah, yeah, Sid's a great character, but how often can you keep using her other than the base of operations for them 
to do jobs for her. Yeah. Because I think at this point, um, they would probably be considered definitely at this point on the run. And they're going to have to keep moving. They can't just have one kind of base of operation, especially like this with Sid. Because remember, Sid kind of keeps reminding them, hey, you know, I'm keeping a secret over you. I don't think she'd turn on him. But, you know, it's always that threat that I'm keeping a secret over you. And then at some point, somebody's going to spill the beans. It yeah. may not be Sid, but somebody's going to spill the beans and the Empire's going to come looking for him. Yeah. I think Infested was also kind kind of supposed to answer in a roundabout way the you don't the 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 question they kept bringing up around who are you working for do you know who you're working for are they really good i I wish it had been done slightly better in that like i I guess this was one example i don't think roland durand was supposed to be the guy that they are working for in all cases he clearly worked they clearly worked for him you know in in one or two episodes um, but I, 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 I felt like it was just a little bit of a miss how they kept hinting at, oh, do you know who you're working for? Do you know who you're working for? And then they just kind of left that on the table and, and never really addressed it with the exception of this, you know, one instance where a former client reappears. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where I almost wonder if that was a bigger plot point in the original mm. passes through the show. Um, and then as they evolve the show, maybe making it line up more with Mandalorian, they're like, oh, maybe this is I could see that. not actually the thing we're interested in talking about as much. I could see that, yeah. I, I suspect it won't be a bigger... I don't know. I think... I feel like season two is going to be all about Mount Tantus and the cloning operation mm-hmm. and yep. Boba Fett and Omega. Yeah. And, introdu- and introducing Boba Fett to Fennec Shand. Kind of setting up Book of Boba Fett yeah. in that regard. I can see that. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well and, guess, then, and then we yeah. wrapped up the, the season with the fantastic Return to Camino and Camino Lost duology. And we talked about the Mount Tantus part a bit, but my goodness, seeing Camino just be destroyed was... It was hard to watch in some ways. It was heartbreaking, but it was a point to where I would have to say it had to be done because you, if the clone army basically is done and they're being replaced mm-hmm. with the new TK troopers slash stormtroopers, there is no need to have Camino anymore. No. So yeah. So the empire had to do what they had. To do. Now we never talked about Admiral Rampart, because he's been basically in and out of these episodes. What did you think of him as a character? Because realize he's the one that is responsible for destroying Camino on Tarkin's order. But I really liked yeah. Rampart. Steven, mm-hmm. what did you think? I was, I was going to agree. I thought he was fine. Um, he worked well as kind of the new face of the Empire. And I'm also I'm appreciative they didn't they started with Grand Moff Tarkin, but they didn't leave it with Grand Moff Tarkin. Right. Um, but he served a, a similar purpose, and I thought that, yeah, that worked pretty nicely, all things considered. Yeah, yeah I, I'm excited to see more of him. I, I, he, he's, he's kind of the quintessential Imperial, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he will tell the line, period. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I liked him. I liked him a lot. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll see more of what he does, and like, does, does Crosshair, what do you guys think? Does Crosshair end up regrouping with, 
the Empire at this point, or is now Crosshair on his own? The Empire kind of kind of left him for dead on Camino, destroyed the entire city, all of Topoka City. Does he regroup with the Empire again, or is it, or does he like go on his own? It's going to be interesting because one of his Elite Squad members did see him basically turn on them, and he basically helped out the batch. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting if. Admiral Rampart and the rest of the Empire is going to bring Crosshair back. But then that begs the question, what's going to happen to Crosshair at this point? Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he's going to want to try to, you know, kind of regain, put himself back into the good graces of the Empire. I don't know if they want him, though. I mean, that is the question, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see his storyline going forward in season two. Yes, I agree. It was, I mean, overall, I really liked, I thought the season was, was very good. There were, you know, a couple weaker moments, um, but it was, I, I really loved how they kept the clone wars style and feel, Mm -hmm. but we were able to focus it more, a little more like rebels on a smaller group Right. And tell this really fascinating story of what the galaxy is like in the post Order sixty six time period, and it, they yeah. thought they did a phenomenal job. Now, here's here's a question: Do you guys think the crosshair actually had his chip removed, <laughs> or do you think that basically it's still there, but it was damaged when he got his face almost burned off? I mean, I think we got confirmation that it was removed, right? Yeah. Well. Put it this way, that's why I asked the question. Yeah, so I had a chance to to say that one. Yes, I had a chance to speak with Brad Rao and Jennifer Corbett, and they did confirm that Crosshair's chip was indeed removed. And apparently, if you rewatch the season closely enough, you can actually see the moment where the subtle shift occurs uh, after his chip was removed. Oh, Um, man. uh, Well, I'd have no problem watching it again. But now I have to pay attention really close. Yeah, so I I won't spoil it so people can go out and and take a look for themselves. Um, I'll just put it in the uh, chat. I won't say anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, but go 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 watch and you can you can kind of see the moment where that happens. Um, So I guess that answers our big our big debate. I don't know. What do what do you guys think? Yeah, I I think it does. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, um, so yeah, I guess I'm very curious to see where Crosshair goes. What do they do with him? Um, you know, especially now that he has his chip removed and he is kind of a true believer. He, he wants the empire to succeed and we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm very. Okay. So here comes the bigger question. Do you think that he is redeemable to go back to the Bad Batch? We've no. seen all the episodes. I, I think, well, sorry. Yes. Yes, you they, do. I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. That's it's Star like, Wars. Everyone is it's ultimately redeemable. Yeah, everyone is redeemable. And I think it's possible as the Empire gets worse, Crosshair could have a moment where he decides, you know, the only place he can be is with his brother, mm. brothers. But... Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's funny because, not, not to interrupt it, William, but it is funny because Omega does sit there and hit him hard saying, you know, you, you are my brother. It's like, you're you're their brother and you're my brother too, if I remember the quote correctly. 
So you could possibly see the redeemness that could happen later. Yeah, it's possible they'll they'll, they'll you know we'll see Crosshair's redemption. I I don't know. I, at this point, I think the whole point of removing the chip and then of course confirming that the chip was removed was to reinforce really reinforce that he made this of his own free will. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not being controlled. Now they can change his opinion still cer- certainly, uh, and maybe we'll see, he'll see in season two when I don't know the Empire doesn't want him back. Uh, maybe that'll be a kind of a, the moment where he realizes, oh shoot, the, even the Empire doesn't want me. Now maybe it's time to go crawling back to my, his brothers. But I don't know. I guess I'm very curious to see where they go. Yeah, will be. Unless he goes out on his own. Yeah. Ah, you never know. Well, okay. Two quick questions. I think we're before we wrap up our our look back at the season. We've touched on a whole a lot of a lot about the the season at this point. Looking back, do you guys have a favorite character overall? Could be new. Could be could be recur- returning from another series. Steven, you want to go first? Oh, you would put me on the spot. Okay, if you don't want to, uh, I will. Yeah, go ahead. I, I need another moment to think about it, I think. Fine. I am going to say flat out, said, I I was surprised by the character. I was surprised that didn't have uh, the Bosque lisp to it. Didn't bother me at all. I thought the voice acting by Rio Perman was just outstanding. Um, yeah, you can kind of look at Infested, you know, about out of her character development, that one might have been just been like a little bit lacking, but all in all, I love the character set. I thought she was great. Now, Steven, you're on the spot. Unless uh, William, you want to save him? No, I think I can go. I okay. think so. I was actually struggling with this a little bit. Cause I think the characters I were most interested, like echo were, I mean, awesome character, but I, I felt like Echo could have, had more time spent on him in the show. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite things about him were like his character design and, you know, his helmet and all those types of details. Um, but I think I'm going to have to actually go with Cad Bane. Having Cad Bane show up as this slightly older, kind of more grizzled bounty hunter, I thought worked really well in uh, Bounty Lost. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, did an awesome job as usual. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Cad Bane. As, I mean, it's more of a cameo than, you know, a character or season-long thing, but probably one of the highlights for me. Well, Steven took the words right out of my mouth. Cad Bane is by far my favorite. Uh, wow. I loved seeing Cad Bane again. I felt like he stole the show whenever he was on screen, and uh, I I hope we get to see more of Cad Bane in season two, because he's just so good. I love him. Yeah. I'd <laughs> like to see him again. would like to yeah. see him again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's awesome, but there are many many good, many good characters. Um, I think we already kind of talked about some of our our favorite. I guess I guess so. We talked about what our highest rated one episode was, but what would you say your favorite one was? Is it is it the same? It is um, for me. Yeah, like uh, Devil's Deal. Yeah, Devil's Deal was just an A plus episode from start to finish, and I think I'd even say like it's not just that it was uh 
like an, a Hera origin story, I think it would have been just as good if Hera hadn't been there, if they picked a new character. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Hmm. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between um, Return to Camino and Camino Lost because it's it's the I guess for me it's the symbolism of it is definitely the ending of the Clone Wars at this point. It's over. So yeah, it, it's a close lost. Uh, Sorry, Return to Camino specifically is a close yeah. second for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing against Devil's Deal. I, I totally agree with everything we said about it. It is probably, out of all these, the number one episode, the greatest episode. But it, it, it's the it's the history of you get to see actually on screen and not in book, the Clone Wars end. Yeah. It's now over. Yeah, and I think that's why Return to Camino is my favorite favorite but it's it's closely tied with battle scars for me with with when wrecker kind of snaps and has to fight against mm-hmm. his, his chip those are both such great episodes yeah um yeah it's a, there, there are a lot of really good highlights in this in this season yeah absolutely so if you had to rate the season and you do what would you get overall then you go first okay i'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first you on the spot you go first. uh i think i'll give it eight and a half uh womp rats out of ten overall i think it was really good uh on average in fact if you uh, if you look it up my my average score was about 8.25 overall um but there was you know a bit of uh, fluctuation from like six and a half all the way up through nine and a half uh for me uh but I, yeah i, I want to give it eight and a half overall um, I thought this was a, a really great introduction to, uh, the, this era and a great way of taking the Clone Wars style and characters and many of the plot points and things and, and continuing in a much smaller, more focused, uh, storyline. I think, you know, the, the first third ish of the season could have been a little bit stronger. I love the things they did in those episodes, the, the development of the world. Um, but you know, it, same thing with Mandalorian, right? I, but I love, I love all of it still, uh, even, even with season one of the Mandalorian. So yeah, overall, uh, I'm going to give it eight and a half womp rats out of 10 and my eight and a half womp rats. Um, well, they are, uh, they've actually been taken to Mount Tantus to be cloned in the Sparty cloning cylinders. <laughs> so that they, that way they can be reused next season. Right. Good point. Tom, what would you, what would you give it? You know what? I'm going to echo you with an 8.5. Um, I think out of the gate, this was, um, this was pretty solid for setting up an era that, that that's in between and giving us the information that would fill in between, you know, what we're used to and what we, we basically know of star Wars. I think it set it up very well. It, it gave a good closure again to the clone wars. It gave a great origin story to Hera. Um, I, I think storytelling wise, it was really good. It did follow along with the Dave Filoni stuff of the breather episodes, the, the great episodes each episode kind of had a string to keep the main story plot going. I, I I thought this was a very, very solid first season for the show. 
giving it an 8.5 and I think my 8.5 Womp Rats are going to be sitting in front of the TV set re-watching this and waiting for season two because that's when they're actually going to get their job and and they'll be tortured then. I'm going to give them a break and let them watch the season over again. So. Okay. It comes to me. Yeah, it does. I, I'm i deciding, if, do I want to just make it unanimous? I'm just going to make it unanimous. I'll give it, I was debating between 8 and 8.5. I'll be generous. I'll give it an 8.5. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but yeah, like like many of Dave Filoni's animated shows, it's a, a pretty solid first season that has its ups and downs as the characters kind of find their places and their themes and arcs. And it sets up a lot for the future, which I am very, very excited for. Um, and yeah, my... I, I'm just going to go with my eight are part of a, uh, a secret Kaminoan squad. Um, they're called the Good Batch. Um, they were clone, clone womp rats that were so perfect. They're like, guys, this is just, we've hit perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, just ev- everything you can imagine, they are just perfect. Like, oh, wow, you're, like their hair just looks amazing today. Just how, every time. Cool. Thanks. Nice. Well, yeah, it's been, uh, this has been a fun, fun episode, uh, a fun season, a fun episode to, to, to of, of the podcast uh, to discuss with all of yeah. you. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed it and we'll be back. Uh, we're going to take another, you know, week or two off and we'll be back with our review of Star Wars Visions season one coming very, very soon. It's just the show debuts in 10 days and uh you know this is a very unique uh different type of star wars show than we've had before um so i i i'd be interested to hear what you all think it's gonna be interesting i've been watching the the previews it's this is gonna be a very interesting take on star wars i'm kind of looking forward to it and i'm ah it's gonna be interesting so that's all i'm gonna say right now I'll say I, I have high hopes. This is, I'll say in many ways, exactly what I want to see out of like Disney Plus shows. Like they're doing weird stuff. They're trying things and we'll see what works and what doesn't. So yeah, yep. can't wait. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening and we'll be back in uh, just a couple of weeks with our review of Star Wars Visions. May the force be with you. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, IonCannonCast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter to email us, you can do so at contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.